plans are useless, but planning is essential. And I think that's a lot of what we do in exploratory work. Like even our engagements, you're working with us for eight weeks. We are really confident about the outcomes we're going to be working towards. And we're really confident about how we're going to start. Welcome back, everyone. Dan, it's good to see you again. How are you? Sorry, I'm not ready. I was reading texts. I don't want to start yet. I think we're starting already. <laughs> anyway, so how's it going? It's just nice knowing that Larissa's on the other end. She's going to edit this, and it's just kind of it's fun to mess up every once in a while. Because or it's maybe funny. she'll just leave it in. Maybe this maybe is she how will. The episode starts. Maybe she will. Oh, that would Dan, be great. George, how are you? I'm well, Dan. How are you? I am doing great. I'm a little cold. I'm not going to lie. I you know, am just fed up with, you know, the whole question around February this morning is just like, mm, I don't have positive feelings about February. For no, this and, and I feel bad, right? I mean, everybody, every month has its place. Um, this one just doesn't have to exist in my opinion. Right. And, I agree. Yeah, exactly. Um, right. If you're listening to this, had not two in marches. February. We could have two marches. <laughs> oh, I don't know. March might be worse. Because oh. again, March is almost spring. It's just, it's just scratching at well, spring. Um, but how it spring starts officially halfway through March and you've got March madness. Yeah. And it can still sm- snow. It'll just go, screw it, it, you. I'm going to yeah, snow now. The, the great thing about February, who is this February person is talking not... now? <laughs> Justin, I, I'm Justin, Justin's I'm with us Fe- today, George. I'm a consultant about February. Um, February is great because February doesn't lead anybody on March. I hear you saying George that it does. Yeah. March is like, Hey, yes. it could be this. And it also may be miserable. February is like, look, everybody, I'm a basket case. We all know this. Let's just make the most of it. Here, here, the, the, the redeeming part of March though, is that one, there's spring break. So you can plan a trip because everyone's mm. out of school for a yeah. week. And depending on your, uh, you know, your affinity for sports, there's a lot of activity. There's a lot of activity me. in March. I know. I'm just saying. That's why I said depending call out, call on depending the on Irish roots. St. Patrick's Day is a great day in March. Uh, there you Big go. St. Patty's Day. St. Patrick's Day. Yeah. Guy. Okay. Okay. There's some. There's some redeeming. There, qualities therefore, in... March is a step up. March is oh, a step yeah, up no from question. February. Spring you get, you get for more, sure is my favorite daytime. season. Yeah. Okay. All right. All right. We're think we're we're going to think about this was a good possibility. We're going to think about the possibilities of February March being being great months. Um, mm. I'll have to be convinced, but right now I'll go with it. Um, do we, do we stick with all that or do we? I yeah, love we, it. This episode's great so far. Well, thanks again, everybody for joining us. If you've been a part of this conversation so far, you know that we are exploring, uh, no pun intended, um, exploratory services. So, um, we have some vital few items, some big rocks some big things that we focus on each year here at Crema. And I hope your company is, does something similar, right? Where you set some key activity that you want to drive towards. This isn't doesn't necessarily have to be replacing something that your organization is doing, but really gives you some focus into areas that you know you need to improve or you know you, you, know you need to change. We've in the past taken on too many. We try, I think in, we've done as many as five in a year. That was a mm-hmm. mistake. Mm-hmm. Um, and this year we have three. Um, we're not going to cover all three of those vital few, but we really wanted to dive into one, and, and that's um, deepening our exploratory craft or our, our exploratory abilities. And what do we mean by exploratory? Um, for us, that is that space and time when problems are being identified or being um, um, uncovered, mm-hmm. and we're looking at the possibilities of what could be created or changed or done that will help to either help your individuals and your organizations thrive, your customers thrive, or the organization as a whole thrive. And um, so Dan and I had a chance to kind of unpack what that is at, at large, but we want to have a conversation with each of the the crafts or the individuals um, on our exploratory team right now or um, and, and, and dig deeper into what does this look like from different perspectives. So, Justin, you've already jumped in with your opinions on February and March, but uh, I do want to welcome you to the podcast. Thanks for coming back. For those that have been on the podcast before, Justin's been with us before. How are you today? You know, I'm doing well. Dan mentioned he's cold. My toes are cold. Um, <laughs> some, oh, my toes are a little cold right now. I wish I was wearing thicker socks. But other than that, it's a good day. It's a beautiful day. The snow outside is some of the glitteriest snow I've ever seen. And so that's been mm, the Agreed. Light. It's sparkling. Yeah, I agree. 
Well, Justin, why don't you start us off? Um, I want you, you've, you've kind of been doing this type of work at Crema for a while now, and the team's started to grow in this last um, few months. Tell us a little bit about your role in this, this team or as Crema explores this service. What does that look like today? Yeah. Um, so what I hear you asking, George, is what exactly do you do here? <laughs> <laughs> I'm happy to answer Why that. do I pay you, Justin? <laughs> what would you say you do here? But yeah. I liked how you rephrased it, which is actually a tactic that I know that we do in, a, in some of our <laughs> workshops, um, which is like this, you know, three-way communication. What I hear you saying is, so um, keep going with that. I'll, 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 I'll just roll with it. Yeah, it is. Uh, it's saying everything. I mean, not to use every kitsch facilitator thing. Be like, you know, that's know. a great question, Dan. What would you say I do here? I'd love to hear your answer to that question <laughs> first. But uh, so, in, in all seriousness, what I do at Crema is, uh, I, I'd say I'm probably the most upstream product person, uh, or one of the most upstream product people on uh, on Crema's teams. So, um, people that are when I say upstream, I'm referring to in the product development design technology conversation process um, all the way through. And then at the beginning, we have the framing of the problems, the prioritization of the problems, the aligning of the teams, those types of things. So that when the production team members kind of inherit the project and when they are um, when they are running on all cylinders with doing the things that we talk about on this podcast all the time, um, that they're, the teams are aligned, they're focused on the right things, they have the right context uh, and they're, they're essentially like, I, I, I kind of work with our team to be the on-ramp to Crema's projects and getting up to speed um, in all kinds of different ways. So paint, paint a picture for me real quick. What, when, when someone comes in and, and starts to, um, you know, talk to Crema as a possibility of it, um, mm-hmm. saying, hey, I think we have some problems that we're trying to solve, or we've got this area that we know, we think, you know, we think te- technology will probably be involved or you know, we know we want to do something. Where where does that, what does it look like to get started? Because uh, you're yeah. often in those early conversations. What's it look like to get started? Yeah. So to, to that end, oftentimes our customers and our clients come to us with a specific solution in mind. Mm-hmm. And and our, our goal is to push that more upstream. That is to say, they say, hey, here's, here's what we want Krima to build for us for these reasons. What our team does and kind of what I lead is the conversation of, let me help me understand why it is that that's the solution that you're going with. What are the decisions that were made along the way that led to that being the decision? What was the question you were asking to which this solution was the answer? What was the job mm-hmm. to be done that this is, this is fulfilling? Who were the people that were involved in the process that led to that? Um, what are the specific objectives you're trying to get to that this solution is the answer to? Uh, and so again, this is just, it, it's the moving upstream. And so the ideal is what you just mentioned, which is we're curious about technology and how it fits into our organization, or we're curious around this, or we're seeing these themes. We're trying to think about where we go from there. But a lot of times it's, it's really more of the former, which is let's, let's try and move upstream. But regardless of where it is, a lot of what we do is we look at the ecology of product. And when I say the ecology, Ooh, tell me more. What do you mean by ecology? Because it's that's that's it. an, uh, that was really a big in, word. I know you 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 jumped there, but I, I this is something you've been playing with for a while, and I love this idea. So so go further. Tell me tell me yeah. what you mean by ecology. The thing that I love about the word ecology is that it's necess, it's it's necessarily a nonlinear uh, cause and effect ecosystem, and so the the term. Ecology is usually used when talking about habitats, environments, biomes, those types of things. Um, in that, it's not as simple as top predator consumes smaller predator consumes this, and, the, and just like the, the the food chain, it's not nearly as simple as that. It's not as linear as that. Um, mm. Rather, it's a complex ecosystem of interconnected parts. And I think mm. that 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 phrasing, even as I'm just saying it now, the, a complex ecosystem of interconnected parts. That's what our clients are. It, there's a complex mm-hmm. ecosystem. Yeah. Um, and so one of my favorite examples of ecology is in the 90s, there were 14 wolves that were released into Yellowstone National Park. Um, and those wolves story. single-handedly changed Yellowstone National Park because when wolves came in, it drove deer populations out of the valleys. Uh, they moved away from gorges. 
because deer left, aspen trees grew more because deers weren't, deer weren't eating those aspen trees, which means all of a sudden now we have more birds, we have more berries, birds bring with them um, all kinds of different plants, seeds. So there's, there's more biodiversity there. Not only that, but because, um, because there's more trees, because beavers and, or because deer are not eating around the wetlands, there's more beavers. Beavers bring with them natural damming. When you dam up waters, water increases um, and water becomes a little bit more still, especially with the damming, which means more fish come in. And so like wolves coming in dramatically recreated the space. And if someone came in and asked the question, how can we increase biodiversity in Yellowstone? It might be, well, let's just simply add one animal or add this or add this, or how might we add berries? Like if that was the, if that was the question, it might be like, well, we need to plant hmm. more berries. We need to research this and plant those things. And sometimes our clients might say, we were coming with a solution about, we want to add more fish, therefore we're going to do this thing. But there's so much more to it that's adding to what the, what the fish or the trees, all those different things. And, that, and now I'm losing the analogy, so I'm going to digress. Um, <laughs> so, so, right. so what we do with our clients is explore that ecology. It is who's on the deciding team. What are the decisions that are being made? Um, what are the things that have tried that have been tried that didn't work? Um, what are the things that you said no to in order to say yes? Why did you say no to those? Mm. Who said no to those? Who are the people that weren't involved in the conversations the first time but are now? And why are they not a part of it now? All of those types of things come into play with what product should we build for a specific outcome? It's mm, a great analogy, Justin. Just how everything's so connected and also maybe the most unlikely choice was right. the one that needed to be explored the most. Right. Interesting. There's a there's a podcast. I don't know if it was radio. I think it might have been Radio Lab that was talking. It was a it was a similar story where they were looking for this super 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 rare butterfly, and it was like this tiny tiny little butterfly that they'd only ever like found like a hundred of them, like individuals. And years over years, like thirty years, there was um, this group of people that would just try to find the the five or six each year. And where they ended up finding them flourishing was in a bomb testing site uh, for a military base. And partly it was because that, that, that area was completely off the grid. No one could go there, right? Because they're literally blowing things up. Second, there was this whole like forested area where, where like you said, they had allowed water to dam up. And so the swamps were, th were thriving and they actually originally thought, well, no, water is going to kill them because water kills off certain plants. And probably those are the plants that they're living off of and et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. We'll come to find out like more water was better. And then they got into this forest and found thousands of them, hmm. all because of a, an area that was protected so that we could test <laughs> ammunition and weapons. And there was, they, they, they just were talking about the, the cause and effect of so much of this. And I think you said something, Justin, I want to I dive deeper into because it's something I I mean, Dan and I have been talking a lot about lately, which is, is context. Mm -hmm. um, so much of what you're describing is what's the context that we, that's yeah. in play here? Not just for our own benefit, but do you, right. do you understand what context you know or don't know? Does the rest of your team understand the context that's in play or not in play? Yeah. Um, tell me a little bit about what it's like to come into that room because a lot of what you're doing is those initial workshops, right? Right. So how do you start to shape a space? Yeah, go ahead. No, I, I appreciate you. I, I had not, like, specifically, a lot of what I do is I lead workshops. Right. And, and, I, and I, like, that, that's important, uh, clarity because I kind of talked around those things. The way that we flesh those out is in workshops. The way that we flesh these things out right. is in time-bound, um, sometimes totally open-ended, sometimes hyper-structured conversations with our clients and with their users. Um, so you're not a park ranger in Yellowstone? Not yet. Okay. I think that was on his five-year plan. Yeah. Well, we're working towards it. Yeah. So, so in those workshops, um, what is that? What is that? You said it could either be really structured or unstructured. Who's involved? What do those? What do those look like? Hmm. Yeah. Um, when in the sales process, you know, when when we're when we know they're going to sign or when they've already signed and we're kind of prepping for, like say the workshop is in a couple weeks from now, we always spend a week or two before a workshop to talk about what the specific goals are. Our team talks over those things. We evaluate kind of what, what is known, what is not known, what are the assumptions that they're coming with? 
Uh, and then we work specifically with a point person on the client's team to identify who the people are that need to be in the room. Um, and we have different criteria for that. We have a spreadsheet that we build out and, and we work through that with them. We communicate these things with them um, so that when they come to the first meeting, they know exactly what to expect. And oftentimes, and this is one of, one of my favorite things about my job, is that I get to facilitate the conversations of other people having epiphanies. That's a real gift um, because like oftentimes one of my favorite exercises is like we go around, we introduce each other, we do some sort of icebreaker, we get to know each other on a personal level a little bit. And then one of the first questions is, is what I would call the easy question or the obvious question, which is why are we here? Mm-hmm. Everyone has two sentences, no commas, unless you have to, but we don't want to run on sentences. Why are we here? And then everyone goes. Are you a, says, are you capable of saying a sentence without a comma, Justin? Because I'm not. <laughs> George, I'm both. I'm both capable, qualified, and exceptional at doing that. Oh, I see, I see what you did there. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. See what there. Um, so the why are we even here? doing that? Why are we here? Why are we Why are we doing this together? And the hearing people because even like at the very beginning, it is very easy for people to assume that we're on the same page. And so one of the first things we do is we democratize the whole process because it'd be easy for the point person to be like, all right, we're all really excited to be here. This is going to be a great day. Crema, why don't you take it away? And we could say, yeah, let's get started. Here's what we know. Let's get started. Um, But even that, like the phrase, we're also glad to be here today. Why are they glad to be here? Are they, are we on the same page about those expectations? Are they Uh, actually glad to be here? (laughs) Are they actually glad to be here? And, and, and Mm. sometimes the answer is no. Um, And then along with that, the question, um, why are we here today? The next question I ask, and this is where we lean into it, is can you in two sentences, or especially one sentence, but no more than two, can you describe to me the project you're in and why you're doing it? What, what is the reason we're here? We're here to do this. Okay, so we can all agree we're here to solve this problem. Why does this matter? Mm-hmm. Put it in your own words. Mm. And what we do is we we have people write it out. We share it. I ask them to repeat it. So everyone reads it twice because oftentimes you don't hear it the first time. Um, and then I say, are there any specific phrases you used or didn't use and why? And people say something like, yeah, I use the word um, profit because I feel like a lot of people have been talking about revenue. And I feel like we need to keep in mind that the goal is profit here. For that, that, that's or another one might yeah. be um, specifically uh, users 18 to 45. I said that because it's, incredibly important that we're not focusing on the 45 to 54 demographic like whatever it is because it'd be easy for people just to read their summary and then just say okay and then after i ask them those questions so read it can you read it again what phrases did you use or not use what's most important to you and then asking about everybody do you have any questions or clarifications or pushback and that that process probably takes an hour but Mm -hmm. i'm not kidding after a week no it was a too long workshop two week long workshop we did with a client at the end of the week, I said, what was the most valuable thing that we did together? And the point person said, honestly, hearing each person summarize what we're doing and why we're doing it was the most important thing because they realized they weren't on the same page from the yeah. get-go. Mm-hmm. And they came in assuming like, hey, we're on the same team. This is great. Um, but it, it's, it's just like if you go into a, let's say, a, a football game, you know, we love some sports metaphors here. Um, like you could say the goal is to win the Super Bowl. But that's a very different goal than saying we're here to stop the we're here we're here to apply the best run defense uh, and to keep the quarterback in the pocket. Like those are that that's a strategy ish, and the other is just an outcome. And oftentimes, mm-hmm. if we just focus on the outcome of why we're here, we're not going to really get it. We're not going to solve. We're not going to get to the outcome because we're not going to talk about the unique reasons why we're doing it. Mm. Maybe that. It's- maybe that doesn't apply but dan's nodding george isn't so no it was good no 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 i i honestly i think it's fantastic i and and i'm just honestly i'm I'm resonating with the fact that how many times even at crema being a small organization and a lot of our clients are big organizations and so you can only assume the context gets more and more complex right Mm -hmm. um even we have felt that where we assumed everyone understood the the direction Crema was going or the reason we were introducing something new or the reason we were running another experiment or whatever. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And, um, and it, for us, it, it was clear cause we had all the context or all the context we needed. 
And for everyone else, it was like, I don't know what George and Dan are doing. <laughs> I yeah. don't, or I don't know what that other team is doing. Mm-hmm. Right. And oftentimes it's not about like, well, I don't know what the, why leadership's making this decision. Albeit that is often a question it, it, in, in the minds of many people. But oftentimes right. it's like, I don't know what that other team is doing or why yeah. they're doing that. Like what I'm doing is valuable. Or maybe I know what I'm doing is not valuable and I don't know why I'm doing it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, so I think yeah. that's a really, really powerful starter. Mm-hmm. And there's a, there's a, I'm sure you all have experienced this in your relationship with each other, with your kids, with your spouses. Um, there have been times where Sarah and I that like, especially when we first got married, where we, we assumed that because we were using the same word that we knew what the other person meant. Mm-hmm. And so like mm-hmm. a similar thing, like stockings on Christmas morning, we, we prepared stockings for each other. And I, I did the type of stocking that I had growing up. And I was just like, mm-hmm. and, and so we covered each other's stockings. Um, and so on Christmas morning, when we took it off, she was like, yeah, we're doing stockings, right? And I opened and then hers was like bountiful and it had like this type of thing. And it was so much more fun. And mine was like, oh, I thought we were going for kind of more like this. And we were using the same words. And we look at each other and it's like, oh, we weren't on the same page about mm-hmm. what that word means. Mm-hmm. Um, Justin, that actually just sounds like you weren't a very good husband, um, is what I mean. <laughs> <laughs> No, yeah. All I had was just, I went. Justin's going to start weeping. Store. I bought some just used stockings and just like laid it on the couch. It's <laughs> <laughs> just like, is this, what more do you want, Sarah? <laughs> yeah. Um, no, but, well, but I, that happens. It's, it's so easy yeah. to assume. And there's a, there's a great yeah. graphic. There's a book called meeting design. I don't have it with me, but where it shows if there's two people, there are only two lines of communication. There's how one person perceives the other yes. and the other. With three people, all of a sudden we have six because how one person perceives two and three, two perceives mm-hmm. one and three, and then three perceives one and two. When you have four people, it's 16. And so when mm-hmm. you have a room full of eight people and one person says, yeah, we, we need an app that's really going to serve our users well. It's, I mean, that's a, that's a, that's a, there's a lot to unpack there. And when yeah, they are mm-hmm. representing a team of 50 people, it grows from there. And so even just two weeks ago, we led a workshop with a client. And, and one reason we use a tool like Miro, Miro is our digital collaboration tool. And I, I prefer it to a physical whiteboard and I love analog things. So it kills me to say this. But the great thing about Miro is that we can start with a narrative thing and we start to say, okay, well, there's also this thing. And then the, there's this entrance path. What do you mean when you say this? All of a sudden the Miro board starts to grow and grow and grow far more than a whiteboard would um, because there, there's that much level of ambiguity or things that we thought were fleshed out that turns out aren't. Um, mm. and one person in this workshop said, you know, I'm at the end of the day, I said, what is one takeaway that you have? And one person said that I thought we were all on the same page. And if we, as the staff aren't, how on earth could our users be? Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. And that it's that epiphany yeah. that is why we do what we do that if, if, if we don't solve it from the top or from the beginning, then we can't solve for the user. And I think you, you touched on a little bit, Justin, but you're unearthing what everyone thinks about the real problem, but you're also unearthing so many other things like motive. Like what are they motive? Why are they motivated to yeah. solve the problem the way they want to solve it? So, you know, going back to your analogy of the Super Bowl, there, you know, I would imagine there are a number of reasons why different people would want to win the Super Bowl. Some are like, well, I'm retiring and I want to go out on a win. You know, mm-hmm. some are like, well, mm-hmm. I, I really want my bonus. Others like, mm-hmm. this is going to help me get to my next job because I know that, you know, I, you know, my contract's right. up. I mean, there's, there's a ton of different motivations yeah. underneath the one outcome. Says, I want to give this to the new team. Yeah. I just watched right. uh, the new Kurt Warner movie, uh, American underdog. Mm, and mm-hmm. his motivation is a different motivation than someone that's, right. that, that has had it easy. And, and, and so there's a different, there's a different perspective and, and different color to that. Right. Um, and, and so if you can get that, but the only way to get maybe that an emotion's fine, but the, the way to get it out is you have to be crystal clear like you said, on what everyone thinks about the real problem. Like you right. mentioned, like I've heard, I've heard a whole bunch of people talk about revenue. I really think we need to start talking about profit. You yeah. know, I mean, they're, they're so, it's so nuanced. And so if you start with mission and vision, that's great. For the most part, people are like, okay, yeah, we're all there, but that's just the tip of the iceberg underneath the water. You start getting into strategy process direction, you know, fo- you know, uh, why are we focusing on this division, this department, this problem, this technology? There's so many different viewpoints. And so, yeah, yeah just unearthing what each person's perspective is on that, you know, that problem, whatever it may be, um, is incredibly valuable. And it just takes skilled facilitation. 
to be able to do that. Yeah. And, and I, I want to make sure that like sometimes the term facilitation and the term workshops can be really negative terms because Mm -hmm. experience, someone may hear this and be like, all they're talking about is glorified business improv. It, you're, what you're talking about is just like relational hoo-ha that's just that all, all it is is just going to be some like touchy feely make me feel good but we're you're not going to actually help us solve a problem mm-hmm. and uh to that i say i i totally s- s- sympathize with you because i've been in in those experiences where i'm where i'm where i, I where someone only is there um but this is why we ask our clients to spend time with us because time is, and I've talked to you all about this, time is one of, it is the only commodity that can't be, um, it can't be duplicated. uh, And it can't be, there's no replication for it. And Mm -hmm. so when we, when we talk about a kickoff with a client, we're not going to do a three hour kickoff. We're simply Mm -hmm. not. If if you're wanting to work with us and we're wanting to work with you and you want to make significant business outcomes um, that are addressing your, your, KPIs or whatever, we have to understand that in order that we may have smooth things down the road. And mm-hmm. um, it's the same reason why we have um, premarital counseling, right? That you may not want to do it, but when the rubber hits the road, you're, you're going to wish that you had that clarity sooner rather than later. Mm-hmm. And so the goal of all of these things is to work towards actionable business objectives and accomplishing your business goal. And and there are times where we have to tell participants, I'm, I'm going to ask you to trust the process. I understand that you may mm-hmm. not think this is valuable. I'm asking to test, trust the process. Um, you may not think that four days together is essential. We're asking you to trust the process because we know that what you want is a team that you can trust. And we know the only way that you can trust us is if we think like you and understand how you think, why you think the way you think and what you're trying to do and why you're trying to do it. And those things cannot happen in a survey. You know, like we mm. can send out a survey with all right. of the things that we do in our workshops and we could just read it over and we could say, okay, that sounds good. But we know that product is a, is a, it's a human centered thing. And so mm. if we can't be on the same human terms and understand and, and act on your behalf and be your advocates, um, then we're not going to be good problem solvers with you. Um, it, it's why it's important to train as a team, to practice as a team. We do these things as a team so that when we, when we move forward into those production times, they were doing though so as a unified, um, uh, yeah, as a as a unified group um, with clarity about why yes and why no. And sometimes that why no is like one of my favorite things. That when mm-hmm. people say, um, yeah, we really need to increase, we we want to get more users here. Mm-hmm. We could say that's great, but in our time together, we're instead going to say, why is the goal not to make the users that are there um, more committed? You know, like those are, those are two mm-hmm. different things. And so the difference between what we're talking about is if, if we offer you a multiple choice and you just say, A, we want to understand why not B, C, D, E. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And all of these things are going to make for a more successful product every time. Justin, in those, in those, um, in those experiences, <laughs> I've been in a lot of these uh, and I love when they go well and it's so uncomfortable when you can tell that, that people are resisting. Um, tell me a little bit about why people resist jumping into, to explore some change or explore to get aligned. Mm -hmm. Um, why do they resist? Um, there's, I mean, there's a lot of reasons why one reason might simply be, they think that they know the answer. And so we're forcing them to go through something that's not necessary. And we've had, Mm -hmm. we've had clients do that where, where they're like, I don't understand why you're why you're making me do this um mm-hmm. it, it, it's it's as if uh there's someone that they're hosting a party and they've already got all the ingredients and the food is in the oven and we're like well who's coming and they're like it doesn't matter the food's in the oven like, well yeah but are there any diet restrictions what's the weather outside are there kids coming um are you do you want to be eating on the carpet do you need food that can be eaten with a hand or, or like does it need to be those types of things and they're like the food's in the oven okay i got it covered <laughs> similarly there are clients that aren't necessarily that antagonistic, but there is a sense of we've already done this and figured it out. And mm-hmm. so we want to work with our clients to understand the work that they've done and the research they've done, obviously, because our, our clients are not foolish. We, we, we work with really, really smart people. Um, but at the same time, we do want to challenge things and understand why. And a lot of that is for our team to understand why. Understanding is so critical for our process. 
We can't, we can't act on clients' behalf if we can't think like our clients. And we can't think mm -hmm. like our clients unless they help us do that. So that's one reason. Another reason is someone may, like I mentioned, they just may say, this, these workshops are stupid. They're a waste of my time. Um, and, and they've used worse words than those to say, to, to, to express their opinions. Um, and to that, we simply say, please trust the process. And if they don't, then, uh, then we trust that everyone else is going to get value out of it. Um, mm -hmm. So that's one reason that someone may not. Uh, other times people may resist um, because they don't like the feeling of expanding. Like it, it's uncomfortable for them to expand from a user-focused narrative to a problem-focused narrative right. uh, because they're so committed to, I want to solve this problem for this user. And we're trying to understand who that user is as a customer, right? A user journey is what are they doing w once they get to us? And a yeah, customer what's the journey functionality is, that they're going to experience, right? Right. Mm -hmm. Whereas a customer journey is who are they? Why are they doing this? What are the things that led to them doing this? What are they doing afterwards? Who are they interacting with along the way? And, and again, it's just that it's that problem ecology. And some people don't want to lean into that. Um, and so to, to those types of things, we ask them to trust the process. We use metaphors and examples and other client testimonials to suggest this is valuable. Um, and other times we would have to pull them aside and say, I understand that you think this is a waste of your time or you think this isn't important, but I'm going to ask you to trust us mm -hmm. uh, and to, to give us two days. And we're, we trust that by the end of day two or whatever that time frame is that you're going to see that value. Uh, and another thing is you may never see the value, but I can almost guarantee that if you go work for an agency or, or with some other partner that doesn't do this with you, you're going to come back and say, I understand why Crema did it this way. Yeah, right. um, that that you don't know the negative that's not happening, because we're 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 we are getting ahead of the problems that we might be facing along the way. Yeah, Justin, Does that make sense. Go, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Go go. One one of the things I want to push into, and you kind of started to hint at it, because I think our customers either they feel it's silly or it's a waste of time, or it feels like this song and dance that is just unnecessary. Mm -hmm. But then we also, we do challenge and we push in. And, and some of the times we're even saying, okay, we want to push past you even, meaning mm -hmm. we want to get closer to your customer, which yeah. depending on the type of workshop or the different approaches that we might be taking, we may be prototyping and doing interviews, or right. we may be doing some research where we're going to say, hey, how might we get... Um, in the field and actually experience what your potential customer is going to experience. Mm -hmm. Tell me uh, what that's like or where you've seen light bulb moments or where you've seen, um, I'm going back to some experiences I've had where I've, I've been there when I realize the people in this room have never mm -hmm. actually talked to the customer. Mm. Yeah. Um, that's a great question. So some of, there are some workshops we do that are, hyper programmed every hour is accounted for because we're going towards a very specific specific objective it's incredibly time bound those types of things yep. other yep. times we tell clients ahead of time we're going to block off a week together or two weeks four hours a day um we have a plan for days one two and three and we have a sketch of what we're going to do after that but just like any product roadmap to try and plan out the agenda for day eight on day one would be a waste of our time so we like putting holds on calendars and setting expectations and even having people that are like on call to say that, hey, just making sure we're on, we're available for, that you're available for today at like 3.30 if we need to call you in, those types of things. And what that affords us is the flexibility, like just uh, earlier this month, we had something with our clients where our clients are really good clients and they're really smart and they're also um, self-aware. And so one thing this client said was they said, look, we are not the experts of this aspect of our customer's life. And so for that, for us, we, we've been thinking those types of things, kind of saying, it seems that by the mid to late day one, we're kind of saying, we're kind of reaching the end of what we may need to be learning from them. And day two, yeah, I think it's good to wrap up. Our team's going to debrief. And then tomorrow morning on Wednesday, we're going to start to plan something else for Thursday. And so yeah. what that meant is that Thursday, we were on site with their with their customers. We went to hmm. their customer, their potential clients. We went to three different offices across Kansas City to interview, to talk, uh, to, to walk through the daily actions of their users. Because uh, one, our client had the permission to do that. And so that, that's a unique thing that, that it's, it, it's they're awesome in Kansas City, the clients yeah. are in Kansas City. 
the clients had availability. So like, there's a lot of things that worked out really perfectly for that to happen. Um, but that, that our workshops are necessarily flexible. Um, two quotes that come to mind. One is Mike Tyson, um, who says, everyone has a plan until you get punched in the face. And the other is Dwight Eisenhower, which is that um, plans are useless, but planning is essential. And I think that's a lot of what we do in exploratory work. Like even our engagements, you're working with us for eight weeks. We are really confident about the outcomes we're going to be working towards. And we're really confident about how we're going to start. But after day one, something may come up. It's like, we need to, we need to pivot 90 degrees, mm-hmm. or it may be, you know what? The trajectory is kind of shifting one to two degrees to five degrees. A five degree shift is not a lot, but by, by week seven, what we thought we we're going to be doing at week seven is now uh, like 45 degrees off almost. Mm-hmm. And so it's that, that flexibility is essential. Uh, and we try and prepare our clients ahead of time for that to know, is this a time that we're going to be going all the way in um, with only you or are there customers we need to be talking to? And we try and get those things um, on the docket and at least in their in the back of their mind so it's on their back burner so that when we do talk about that in the middle of the week, it's not a surprise and catches them off guard. Hmm. Justin, a lot of this, I mean, like you said, uh, time being the commodity, you know, that, you know, you can't duplicate. And so this takes a, a lot of time with our clients, mm-hmm. um, a lot of good time, captivated time. Um, and so obviously we want as a collective, our team and their team to get a lot out of it. When do you, how would you describe a time or teams, um, when they get the most out of those sessions, what, what, what are the attributes? What are the adjectives? What are their postures? Uh, dive into that a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. The clients that truly get the best out of this work. And when I say get the best out of the work here, I I realized that I haven't even said like outcomes of these things. I've kind of talked around it. Um, Clients that, that walk away, and, and most of our clients do, that walk away happy are saying things like, we got somewhere in two weeks that we didn't, that would have taken us four months to do by ourselves. Mm. Or people walking away saying, our team is so much more aligned than we have ever been. Other people have said, I walked away seeing a new business opportunity that I didn't know was possible. Other times they come away saying, I thought that we knew what we needed to focus on, but after fleshing this out, I realized that that should not be our top priority and that we were putting our eggs in the wrong basket. So like these are the these are the types of outcomes that these workshops lead to, and mm. those types of clients um, are clients that hold their presupposed ideas loosely. They're clients mm. that come in, letting us know like, hey, here's what we're thinking. We want to do this, but for the next week, we're gonna try and not um, lead the witness on this idea, and we're gonna try and objectively evaluate what's best, and we're gonna trust the process help us get there. Um, other times are uh, when or another, other clients that are that get the most out of it are people that are aware of who the decision makers are and who the gatekeepers are for their team and regularly keep them in the loop. Um, there's been two clients specifically that I can think of that midway through the week we were going down one one hallway and uh, we talked to they were they were keeping their point person in the loop every day and then like on the second or third day we made a decision that person said. I hear you, but the answer is no, because of this, I need you to focus on this because of this. And we come back in and that's hugely helpful because otherwise we would have been at day five, six or seven. And Mm -hmm. we think we're making progress only for that person to say, sorry, that's not what we need um, for this. You don't have this other context again, that is going to affect why that maybe is not a reason or reasonable way to go. So, so that's another one is um, that's another way they can be successful is having the right stakeholders at the right time. Um, people who understand that things are iterative and that things need to pivot and that maybe someone needs to come in that needs to be there that wasn't or someone needs to hop off that wasn't. So just flexibility in that posture of, of um, teachability and adaptation. Mm-hmm. Um, another one much is prep, that... Justin, how much prep time or any do you like give the clients of like, here's what you can expect and here's, here's how we would, as you walk into this room, mm-hmm. here's the type of posture we want. Is that something that you have to maybe address if they're not mm-hmm. being those things in the moment? Or do you try to give them prep and upfront time of like, hey, here's the best way to enter into this workshop? Yeah. Yeah. The, the week before a workshop there, they receive several emails from me, loom videos from me, introducing myself, introducing the process, walking through that level of ambiguity, even showing, Hey, here's the agenda. Here's the types of things we're looking at, but you can see that it gets fuzzy along the way. We're going to be pivoting along the way. And so I, I prep those types of things. Hmm. Um, other teams, like the, the types of things I ask of them. So this is another way of asking that, that first question you asked Dan 
is uh, people that are present that that do their best to not keep more tabs open and they're not checking things on their smartwatch and they're not whatever it is. So if they're if they're present and, and actively involved, uh, people or organizations that have a posture of trust in each other so they can challenge each other, uh, mm-hmm. that they don't feel afraid to say, I don't understand why you're saying this or I disagree. Like it, it, teams that are built on trust are so fun to work with because there's healthy challenges and healthy debates all day long. And I love those. Those are some of the most fruitful and rewarding times because you walk out of that a little beaten and bruised, but way stronger. Mm, um, that's good. I think this is a, this is kind of a note to leaders out there that might be listening. Um, I have been in workshops. I've been in these sessions where the leader had no idea. And I've had to learn this. We've talked about this on the podcast mm-hmm. before. had no idea that the, the weight their words carried. Mm-hmm. And yep. what they were, you know, if you go back to um, uh, multipliers, the book multipliers, this idea of being a, a multiplier or a diminisher, and sometimes you're just an accidental diminisher. You you think you're just giving context, or you think you're just helping them by moving it along by making a decision. And what ends up happening is you see the room get quieter and quieter and quieter Mm -hmm. as the leader or as the loudest person or whatever that person, you know, that, you know, there's that one person gets more and more confident. And I think a great, Justin, I've seen you do this and I've experienced this as well. A great facilitator will know how to navigate that. And sometimes it has to be very candid, uh, Mm -hmm. but to navigate that, to say, we need to balance this space to get the most context, the most perspectives, um, uh, create a safe place where people, you can just tell fear rises and as fear rises tends to be either people get frustrated, upset, or quiet. Mm-hmm. And then the leader gets louder, more assertive and more confident. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I say leader, leader could be just, again, it could just be the, the extrovert in the room. Yeah. Um, but I, I've seen, I've seen you do this. I've seen other people on our team do this, that that's, that's a delicate balance when you talk yeah. about that trust because they may be thinking, well, I just want my team to trust me. I'm the leader. Yeah. I will, I'm making the best decisions on their behalf. I'm for them. Um, here's what we're doing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And um, I use this book, the, the Boy, the Mole, the Fox, and the Horse, several uh, times when talking so to clients. So the good. reason I use this book is it, it, it sets a stage of empathy. And so literally there, there are workshops where every day I open up with one page from this. So for instance, there's a quote in which maybe it's the, the boy that says to the mole, he says, I wish there was a school of unlearning. And that mm-hmm. phrase, like from criminal language is, I want this to be a place of constant improvement. But, I'm not, but, but me speaking in those like out, me talking like that to say- Criminalisms, um, yeah. Yeah, it, it's not as helpful, but the word picture of unlearning, I want you to unlearn the things uh, that you carried with you into this. I want you to unlearn the, the, the power dynamics at play. And I know that those things are inevitable, but I think even like establishing some shared language there, um, other phrases in here are, uh, at one point someone asks the horse, uh, what's the strongest word you've ever said? Hmm. And the horse says help. And so like Hmm. the idea there is to say that, um, that like we are in a place where we need each other to understand. And so those types of things in a way that's approachable and not preachy and not businessy, um, I think helps set that expectation and, and an anchor for me to pull back on and say, like, remember everybody, like the boy needed to learn to ask for help. Mm-hmm. So don't, don't be afraid. And so I find those types of things um, help level set because I could talk all about it beforehand and I can say whatever I want. But those types of uh, word pictures, I think really, I, I've seen those provide value and, and set the stage and the heart of people that are coming in those spaces. So, so good. I love that book. Oh man. It's amazing. I'm not going to tell you if, uh, if I cried a lot reading the, reading through that the first time, but I did. Okay. Um, <laughs> the, um, uh, one question I want to kind of move towards wrapping up here. Yeah. What does it look like to be collaborating with your peers here at Crema, the rest of your team here at Crema, as you enter into these, these engagements, mm-hmm. into these experiences with clients? Oh yeah. This is man. I love Crema and I love the people I work with and uh, I love the other members of the exploratory team because the workshops we do with them, like we each have our wheelhouse. Um, and there are times where something is getting into a space that I'm, I am not as familiar with. And so I have to say, Hey, Aubrey, can you please take this? Like we're leaning into this. And so Aubrey CK and myself, like there are times where it's like, Hey, tomorrow 
that seems like it's more your wheelhouse. Can you lead tomorrow's? And then I'll, I'll take notes or whatever it is. Other times, um, so there's times where we actively rely on each other because of our unique perspectives and skill sets. And there's other times where we say like, it's important that the client does not become connected to a certain way of thinking, but rather that they're regularly challenged by, by the implications, by the opportunities, and by the unique perspectives, like those, those types of things. And so sometimes we intentionally shift. We're, do, we're, we're doing one exercise for three hours and every hour, one of us will take a different time um, because it's important for, because we all see the world differently. And, the, and mm-hmm. if it was all from me, then I, I, would be a, I would be the threshold by which the clients could understand what's possible and how they can interact with their team. And that's not valuable for anybody. And so the, when we have a trusted team of experienced facilitators, each of us experience in our own way, um, right. Each of us asking different types of questions, leaning into things in different ways with different senses of humor and different energy levels or whatever it is, but all focused on helping unlock things for our client. Man, the having a team to fall back on and not just to fall back on, but to be actively engaged with, it's an amazing gift. Well, and it's it's cool to see because each of you and I think as we build out this team, we're really hoping to keep this model in place that we believe in cross-functional, cross-discipline, oh, cross-skilled totally. teams, right? And so each of you- And it provides value ba- for the client. Oh, oh yeah, yeah, 100%. You coming from a, a product background and, and an educational background or Aubrey coming from a design background or from a, a production background, CK coming from a development background or an experiential background, each of you bringing these- unique perspectives. And, and then that gets spread across to Crema as a whole, because this isn't yeah. just happening with the three of you, it's happening of across Crema um, um, and all of our engagements. But this is just an example of, it's a microcosm of what we believe to be the most effective way to do work. And if you go back to early days of this podcast, when even when we were talking about option five being the original name, mm-hmm. that was a big theme for us is talking about, we believe the best work is done by small cross-collaborative, cross-functional, cross-discipline teams. And that is still true hmm. even as we're thinking about moving up the funnel, moving further mm-hmm. um, further ahead into exploring new ideas is that's not done by one person, you know, unlocking people or being the like the, the performer or being no. the, I think we hear these stories about, you know, the Steve Jobs of the world coming in and saying, I know what we, you know, we ought to build. Well, even Steve Jobs didn't do that. He, what he was great is saying, how do we bring the right people into the room so that we cross-functionally will get the best work results so that we yeah. see the value in each of the, the things that we're bringing to the table. Um, so I've been super impressed to see as this team's forming um, how, that, how that's taking shape yet and again. And to, to piggyback on that, like some of my favorite workshops where we're leading not just with the exploratory team, but with full Crimis full product teams. Yeah. The yeah. Crema's full product teams and the client's full teams are there. And so sometimes it's like 17 people, which is a lot of people. And so that, that can be hard to manage. And that's, that's difficult in its own way. But the value is that like, it's, it's kind of like, um, it's kind of like my job is to help, help get the plane taxiing in some ways. Like we assemble the plane together. We, we make sure everybody's on board. We get it taxiing. And like pretty soon, like when, I, I know nothing about planes. So <laughs> where's so, this going, Justin? Um, so when the, like when the, when the wheels come up and the plane lifts off, like a lot of times I'm now sitting in the background and it is the product team that is totally, I was going to say driving the bus, flying the plane. Um, that it is, it is the, it is the, the dev apprentice that's asking better questions than I could because they have context. Uh, it is the test engineer trying to understand the feedback loops and why this thing, and if this is a priority, then why isn't this a priority? And and we move and kind of, I'm going to go now inverse because um, I kind of operate oftentimes at a 30,000 to 5,000 foot level. Um, and as the engagement, as, as these workshops go on, they get far closer to in the weeds. Mm-hmm. And that's where other teams start to start to engage more and more and more. And they're asking more and more questions. And so it is, it is a, it takes a village to do this well um, and having having not just the exploratory team facilitating these things but full product teams engaged in asking these questions um, and and a part of those conversations along the way it, it is a, it people one one client specifically said um, I, the question was what do you wish you would have known going into it that's my question to help me know how should I prepare better and she said right. I wish I would have known that this was the most valuable time that our team has spent in years. And this is someone that's spending like hundreds of thousands of dollars on building product. So it's not just right. like we were hoping for like a nice little 
happy-go-lucky workshop. Like they are looking for business outcomes to drive revenue immediately. And they're walking away saying, this was the most valuable time that we've ever spent or in the last several years. Um, and it's because of it's because of the power of the team and the power of people coming together, focused, solving problems and seeing what's possible when we understand what we're really talking about. For those listening, um, obviously you're, we're talking about Crema. We're talking about this, how we do it here, and and um, that can kind of sound like we're just kind of trying to beat our own drum. But what I'm what I'm so encouraged by is how many clients have come and said that experience and all of the things that you did for me was was at the top, right? Mm-hmm. It was so helpful in so many ways that we didn't expect to find working with an agency or finding a partner to help us explore. And we've stolen all of those tactics and uh, processes and whatnot, and we're doing it for ourselves now. So we have people inside our own organizations that are, we're kind of, you know, beg borrowing and stealing and doing our own little mini workshops using some of the things that we did with you. And we're like, mm-hmm. heck yeah, that's totally all day long. Um, so Justin, super, super, super well done. Um, I, I'm very excited for where both this team is going. Uh, mm-hmm. for the potential of how we can continue to serve our, our customers. And really, hopefully, like I said, that they steal it from us and that it makes their organizations better long-term, that they're, they're continuing to unlearn, totally. relearn, iterate, get aligned, uh, uh, yep. seek perspective and context, uh, and build better products that help the world thrive. That's right. Dan, I love you. Love you Justin, too, George. I love Justin, you too, and it's good to see you. This is fantastic. It's like, don't leave me out of love. Come on now. Come there's on. love everywhere. There's enough to go around. Um, stay tuned. More to come on us um, diving into exploratory. And um, and really, again, if you have any thoughts or feedback for us, um, don't hesitate to drop us a, a note on Twitter. You can find us at Crimalab or on LinkedIn, also at Crimalab or George Brooks, Daniel Linhart, on any of those places as well. And uh, I'm really excited to continue this conversation because I'm, I'm getting pumped. I, I'm, I just can't wait for this team to grow and for us to do even more of this work. So thanks, Justin. Thanks, Dan. Cheers. Thanks, this episode of People of Product was produced by Larissa McCarty with support from Julie Branson and Steph Inger. Our hosts are George Brooks and Daniel Linhart. People of Product is brought to you by Crema, a digital product agency. We believe that creativity, technology, and culture can help individuals and organizations thrive. Learn more at crema.us.